0: This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers this teaching from the series, Unlearning Religion, Sermon on the Mount. It is a town hall capture Q&A. This is the fourth message in this series. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy.
1: Welcome to 12 Stone across the campuses. We are so glad that you've joined us today for the Sermon on the Mount. This is week four of this Judge Not series, but you're walking into something unique today. This is our town hall gathering. That's right. This is the Q&A time. We said by week four, we'd gather together, take the collection of thoughts from the first three weeks, bring the questions that you sent, ask them, answer, dialogue, process, make this as biblical and practical as possible. Is everybody excited to be here? Yeah? All right. Now, we know what we've left off, and that is that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount was not merely trying to increase our information, but he was trying to bring us into transformation, that we would literally be transformed in the way we live, do life, and do relationships. In fact, literally, that we would unlearn religion because that's what they were facing in the day. The Pharisees had brought in from the Old Testament the Mosaic law, but then they'd added to it. And, and there was so much jumbled up that literally they had to unlearn. That's why Jesus said, you have heard it said, and then he says, that's got to be unlearned. Now, I tell you, this is what you need to relearn. Now, in the course of this series, we spent a little bit of time at the high jump, this might be familiar to you. If you're just visiting with us for the first time, we'll catch you up. But the rest of this maybe makes a little bit of sense. And that is that there is, has been a bar of righteousness of truth that's been established by God and who he is. And so with that, of course, we, we can't get to his height of holiness. But then there are the Pharisees. And the, the Pharisees had their particular take on this. They took what was righteous. And if you remember, they raised the bar. And then having raised the bar from righteous to religious, they would just stand here and tell everybody to jump over. And of course, nobody could jump over the bar, but, 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 but then they'd judge. And they'd have this kind of a critical spirit, condemning spirit, this, this harsh disposition. And Jesus said, don't be like them. Look, they're not clearing it either. <laughs> they're, they're just limboing underneath. Now, there's another group. The other group is the world. And if you remember in this series, we talked about what the world does. Do you remember? The, the world removes the bar. They just lay it down and say, oh, okay, well, well, no big deal because now there is no standard. Now we have no bar, no standard of righteousness, no right or wrong that's, that's authoritative for everybody. In fact, you can just kind of walk through it. You are your own author of right and wrong. And that always sounds good. It just doesn't live good. And Jesus, of course, came along and he said, no, there, there, is, there is a truth. And the power of this truth is it'll absolutely transform your life and it'll give you the life you long for. But of course, we can't clear that bar on our own. And Jesus, in his love for us, he lifts us over the bar. Well, we've been talking about that in the context of Matthew chapter 7, where we've learned all about don't judge. And then in the course of this series and this conversation, we've also learned not only, not only don't judge, but do discern. Now, after three weeks of heavy, phenomenal content, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. Phenomenal content, right? Yeah. I mean, how good has it been? Like, it, like with an applause. Like if it was really good. <laughs> Thousands of people right now all across the room. Uh, okay, just having some fun. Now, here's a... We've collected the questions and we've cry, tried to group them together. I got Jason, I've got Travis here with me. We've got people from all the campuses. Let's get in this, okay? Jason, Travis, come on up. Uh, let's jump in together and we'll, let's let's talk. Let's figure it out. Let's keep it biblical, but practical. See if we can be helpful. What questions did people send yeah, in? We, Help us. we got
2: hundreds and hundreds of questions from 12 starters across the board. And you can imagine every question under the sun. So we'll be here for, for hours. Yeah, we're gonna have a three and a half hour service today. So it's gonna be spectacular. Beautiful So what we tried to do is we tried to group some questions together. And one of the big questions that came out of last Sunday, that came out straight from last Sunday, was this. It was pretty much this. I know Christians who define the bar in one way. And the example given to us was those who would never drink alcohol, I never do that, that's not my thing. And then others who define it another way, they might drink socially and have a beer with a football game or with pizza. How do we as Christians align around where the bar is? We had lots and lots of questions around that little white bar across those two. You're really gonna ask the first question
1: about the bar and alcohol? I that's, mean, is that, that's for, where, that that's was the, the best you guys given.
2: could do? That, so we're <laughs> starting now, we're having fun.
1: Okay, everybody who's pro pizza, hands up so that we know that that's okay. Pizza's good. So, uh, okay, do, so am I going to just, just I, jump the right on this one? Let's establish
2: the bar, because honestly, that's a question that was asked a lot inside <laughs> all the All right,
1: you're making it difficult now the whole, the whole time. Uh, let's talk about that, because all along the series, what we understand uh, from Scripture and, and, and what we understand in the course of the series in applying it is that there is a standard of holiness or righteousness. And you notice I kept using the word righteousness for a reason. And that is Jesus has established what is righteous, what is right, true, good, and holy. The scripture is a collection of those truths. So in fact, where scripture has been clear about what is holy versus what is sin, we'll call sin below the bar, well then we agree with Jesus. Where Jesus has not been clear, then we can't be clear. Where he's been clear, it's true for all of us. Where he's not been clear, let's use the bar, let's use the drinking thing. Uh, I, I grew up in a, a church environment where uh, uh, drinking was uh, encouraged, or rather discouraged, and uh, almost to the point where it's a sin if, if you drank. So literally, and I, I know this sounds weird, but, but when I saw somebody drink for the first time... I thought they were going to hell. I mean, I would like, say, oh, for sure. They are going to hell. There's no hope. Well, you finally grow up and you get in Scripture and you find out um, Jesus drank. So I was fairly sure he wasn't uh, going to hell. Just This is my just theological skill here. I figured all that out on my own. And, and, and so scripture, scripture doesn't say that the partaking of alcohol is a sin. But Scripture is really clear about drunkenness. And so the, the bar is at drunkenness. So whether you drink or you do not drink socially, well, you go settle that between you and God, and you can pick your own lifestyle. But drunkenness, there, there's the line. Am I making sense to your question? Yeah, and
2: so let's continue with that. Okay. So would you th- do you believe that God raises and lowers the bar at different times in your life, in seasons of life? So even in a room like this, would you look back... <laughs> in early christian seasons of life and say that the bar was at a lower place and perhaps god's raised the bar in some places i'm curious in the room is that would that be a true reality here or would you say the bar has been pretty standardized for your life curiously who, who would say the bars moved in their life over time okay handful of us how many of you would say it's kind of been the same the whole time okay curiously if you would you believe in your life that the bar is raised and lowered over time i, I know what you're asking but if, if by
1: the bar we mean the righteousness that Christ established, right? So if we go in Scripture and Jesus already defined for us what is holy and what is unholy, then in the ultimate sense, the bar never moves. However, the bar can move for you. But the bar can't move down, if I can be so bold. So let me get on my high chair here. I mean my stool. And uh, now what can happen is Jesus can say to you, as he has in my life, Drinking is not a sin. To socially drink is not a sin. However, Kevin, for you, on that specific area, I want you to practice no social drinking. Okay. Now, I don't judge anybody that drinks. In fact, I think the bar's right here. As long as they don't get drunk, they haven't sinned. So, so the bar has moved up, Jason, in, 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 in my life. Like, with time, God said, you know what? I really don't want that in your life. You're just going to be better off you personally. But I, we have friends that do, and it doesn't bother me, and doesn't matter to me. So I think, I think it can move up and down above the standard of righteousness. I think God can call you to some things along the way, but I don't think it ever moves below. Now, let's be fair. When you come to faith, you might be living down here, okay? And there's a lot of things about truth that you don't know, and you slowly but surely learn those are reasons some people don't study the Bible. They're like, well, if I don't know. <laughs> but it's there. Is, that, is, that, is this making sense to us? Like, don't, don't you think there's some truth? That like, So does it really move below the bar the longer you're a Christian? Does God ever really drop the bar for anybody in the biblical holiness, sin, nonsense sense? I don't, I don't think so. But he can move it up and down above the line of holiness because he's calling you to some things and helping you grow through some things. Is that
3: fair? Yeah, Travis, but let me it? ask you a personal question about. Uh, we grew up in a similar environment where it was almost viewed as sin to not drink. Uh, to drink. To, uh, so to drink, yes. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> wow, well, you Good had a point. great church. Oh, man. Tell, You're right. Tell us about your church. It was Lutheran. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I'm kidding. I don't. Anyway, sorry. Well, that's more. of uh, No so, a Mark, I can issue. Uh, Anyhow, go ahead. <laughs> We grew up in a a conservative environment similar to you, and we've realized that we set the bar way above the standard that God has. So we've relaxed some family members who have relaxed their viewpoint of that. Are they lowering the bar, or are they just... Does that make sense? Because to some people who would say, no, it's it's totally a sin, they would look like they're lowering the bar, when in reality, they're still above God's standard.
1: Exactly. And I think what's important is that as long as this is the standard, and you're honoring Scripture, God gives you... All the freedom that his Holy Spirit uh, kind of advises or counsels you into. So if God says, now you're freed up, the bar moves anywhere above here. And you have more freedoms now. Like maybe when you were young, He you said ah, that was really important for you. But now, at a later stage, that's not a big deal. So be it. So, so you have options. You have freedom. But really, your goal. And by the way, let's make sure we're clear on this. You're not trying to hit a bar. Every time we use it now, I can't think of anything else. You're not trying to hit the bar. You're trying to please Jesus. You absolutely love him. You adore him. He's the most important being in your whole life. Your only goal is to please him. And his only goal is for you to have life to the full. You're not arguing over the bar, you're chasing Jesus. And you are longing for the absolute best life. There, this makes no sense apart from the fact that he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. If you don't have the conviction that the heart of God is for your absolute best. I mean, isn't that the heart of a parent? When you give your kids rules or, or, or lines and when you start establishing things for your kids, your only reason for doing that is because you want them to have a better life. So, so the Lord's doing the same thing. So I think in that sense, Travis, yeah, it moves.
3: Can I ask a question in the room then? Because yeah. this kind of brings up when there's a bit of variance, gray area above the line to where uh, God would allow freedom to make those decisions. How many of you have run into conversations where people see differently where the bar at in their life is in particular areas? Where you've ever had, so by a show of hands, how many of you would say, Yeah, I've had conversations with people where they view things differently about where the line is. Um, how many of you have maybe a story of how you navigated that conversation? Because I think a lot of people might find themselves in a situation where they don't know how to navigate that. And I'm curious if anyone here would be willing to share maybe a story about a conversation they had uh, just about talking through that line without being judgmental and trying to be discerning. Uh, Is there anyone who maybe would have a particular situation?
1: (laughs) How courageous of you to ask. It's okay,
3: because if not, maybe that says something about how comfortable we feel having those conversations? Not quite, not quite comfortable. Yeah. In fact, I'm
1: not even sure having conversations, if if I may, having conversations above this line, I think it starts judging above the line. I think up to the line, it's discernment. Up to the bar, it's discernment. Over the bar, above the bar, it's judging. The moment you start assessing somebody's righteousness and you're better than them, above the bar, because oh I've got this and you don't. But up until here, this is discernment. Is it is that connecting, or do you need a follow-up? Am I am I making sense? Go ahead.
4: What if, what if, like in my life, you mentioned? So the bar we're talking about alcohol. Let's talk about that. Keep continue on that. Yeah, let's for keep me, drinking. For me, the bar has been raised. The bar's been raised. Okay. For me personally. Okay. So if I have a conversation with someone, I can, I can have that conversation that, you know, I can't tell you where that bar is for you, but for me, God raised that years ago. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like I can do that without judging.
1: And, and you, if you, listen, if you can do that in your own heart, where you can say to them, it's what I hear you saying, look, for me, God said this right here is where the bar is. Right. I can't figure out for you if it's way up here or if it's here. I can't, I can't, but I, what I can tell you is this, drunkenness, that's displeasing to God, that'll hurt you.
4: And my life.
1: And, and anything else between here and above, talk to God. Right. God will give you conviction. So, so you don't have to share your convictions with somebody else and they don't have to agree with your convictions, but you can have an open conversation. as is what God's doing in your life. Right. 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 Isn't right. that what I'm hearing you, you say? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And as long as in your spirit, you don't walk away and say, Uh, someday, if you could be like me, if you could just, I mean, no, you're good. Almost. I mean, you're just, you're like A minus. You're so close. But if you would just lay down the social drinking.
5: But see, if I told the whole story,
4: it wouldn't be like that.
1: Right. But what's in your, see, judging is in your heart. That's where judging is. It is your spirit, your disposition. A con- Condemnation is in your heart. That's what happens, and that's what Jesus is talking about. And you're certainly in no position to do that.
3: You want to share? <laughs> PK, I, um, I'm hearing a lot of discernment. Um, I heard you just past Sunday talking about judgment, and you came back on that speaking about discernment and knowing when to discern. I would like to really know just hearing all the questions, great questions. I really want the true definition of discernment. I want to know if it's, we say discernment, is, it, is that our thinking? Is that what we feel? Is it an easy way to just kind of put off something? Um, I'll use situations that I've had. I've been in situations that I certainly did not judge. And I put it to a situation that I call myself discerning but I think in actuality, it was just something I didn't want to deal with. So what is the definition of discernment?
1: Well, why don't you stay right there because we may have to go further in this conversation, okay? Uh, the beginning of discernment is saying separating out a truth from a lie. That, at It's very core. That's what discernment is. So scripture gives us a tremendous amount of understanding of truth versus lies. And Jesus lays out a good bit of that. But he doesn't give us every circumstance, moment, or situation. So then he goes on to tell us that God gives wisdom. And so if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives to everyone. James talks about this liberally, freely. And and so ask in faith. And Jesus equally says, I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and he'll be your counselor. So literally, he'll be the spiritual voice in you. He'll indwell you, and he'll give you wisdom, understanding along the way. So I'll need you to come back to specifics, but the beginning of discernment is truth and lies. It's to figure out where's the bar. So so you want to move up to the truth. What is true? That's the goal. Now, there are a lot of situations in life where the circumstances are unclear because uh, you know, I'm trying to make a, a financial decision, and, and it's not clear black and white, which way do I go with that? Um, I'm trying to make a business decision, or a career decision, or, you know, should we have another kid? Well, of course not, uh, but... <laughs> Who knows? It may end up being that, that God prompts you. And so, so there's no scripture you can say, have four children. Yeah. God's in that. Because I, I swore I read scripture and it was two, and it's clearly not. It's four. So what did I know that real men have four? Yeah.
6: So I have prayer partners, and um, we've been in this thing for quite some time. And oftentimes I'm the one that they call and they'll say, you know, here's what's going on in my relationship. Uh, and I find myself kind of going through the cycle. Uh, my first response is what you said, pray. Because <laughs> I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to say here? And what I've found is over the years, you know, whenever they come to our house, they're always watching. You know, they want to see if I'm, if I'm practicing what I'm preaching. So if, if their issue is with speaking... Um, and, and saying things um, when they are not appropriate, particularly when it comes to the spouse. <laughs> and um, so that's been really a model that has helped build up that authenticity and relationship. Uh, and now I do it it almost you know Holy Spirit allows me to do it more 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 consistently. And that's really helped. Um, And so what I do is I tell stories. So I'll get calls and they'll just say, you know, Reese, here's what's going on. And I'll share, well, here's, here's how I prayed. Here's what power praying wife, the chapter I'm on and what I'm praying every morning. And I've been able to take that and, and, and share those stories also with my prayer group, my small group. And, and it helps. And I think it helps build me up. Um, The Holy Spirit uses it to kind of give story after story of, and, and it really boils down to, you know, do I trust God? Do I trust God to give me the right words to say in that moment? And do I believe my prayers are being answered? And legitimately, I've seen some serious progress. And it's not, you know, like you said earlier, Pastor Kevin, sometimes it's slower than other times. But I think the hearing and the affirmation of his word helps them. And I'm always undergirding it with the word of God. And the breakthroughs are tremendous. And so, you know, whatever the, the challenge is, whether it's, you know, talking you know, saying things inappropriately with their spouse or even struggling with drinking, et cetera. I'm just gonna give them a story without judgment. You know, my I coach college students and always like, you know what, you give, you know, constructive feedback without me feeling bad about it. And I think I do it because of love. I love them genuinely and that's helped. That's helped break through. And that
1: what you're describing of encouragement, the power of encouragement is huge because all of us need it. We remember we talked earlier, no, nobody actually lives here. I mean, no, nobody lives here maybe Marsha, but other than my <laughs> wife, nobody actually lives here. We, we all aspire and so grace is carrying us on our way to here. Nobody has righteousness. So encouragement to, to, to move up there is a powerful thing. And that's very different from I've settled to be right here and I'm not going to change. And some accountability groups that cycle, that go nowhere, that's, that's not no, but encouragement to keep striving. And scripture repeats that again and again and again, that we're encouraging each other. Some, we're not settling in. The world settles in. The world says, "Ad ah, doesn't matter." There's no bar. Live wherever you want, and they live with the consequences, and it's huge loss. So that gift of encouragement to each other is hugely powerful. And don't you all find that helpful when someone tells you like the story of what they're going through and what's happening in their world and how it impacts them? And uh, we ha- we had lots of challenges early on that that really were not below the bar uh, unrighteousness specifically. They were just personality collisions, and they were a way of raising kids and way of handling money and and way of doing things in life that were just different. And uh, we had difficulty getting along uh, for a long time. And here's what I found. If we didn't talk about it, then, then it would brew underneath. And so then i become passive-aggressive. Um, and my gift is actually aggressive, and hers is passive aggressive i 'm looking this way when I say it um, and and so not talking about it wasn 't very helpful and then when we would talk about it, it you get fireworks, and that 's not helpful so um, so it it that 's where the fair fight rules came from, and that that it took us ten years to figure that stuff out. So I think, it, I think it's actually very complicated uh, in marriage to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple healthy things, and, and then if you want to ask her a question, you can, or if you have something to say, uh, you certainly can. What we did find is that if you build, if you put healthy habits into your marriage, you have a better chance of helping each other here. For example, if we date every week, and we keep a healthy dialogue going, when you make deposits into the relationship and you give affirmation more than you confront, um, you're like putting change in the bank so that at some point you can actually have a higher risk conversation. If you can hear uh, without being defensive, if, if I will let her, okay, go ahead, uh, share what's on your mind and I will honor the fair fight rules, so I'm not being defensive, not being reactive. I'm not, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to, you know, and, and then now it's tit for tat, and you're just beating each other up. So, so the healthy habits of dating uh, help us work that out. Being in church, honestly, I mean, I think people fail to understand that when you are in church, if you came 52 weekends a year, I know it doesn't work that way, but if you did, The Holy Spirit becomes your counselor where you're not talking to each other. You're just listening to whatever teaching and God will use that time to talk to you. And that is great Holy Spirit counseling time in your life because if the Holy Spirit can reveal it to you before somebody says it, you're much more receptive. And so if you're just open to the Holy Spirit saying, you know, lead me and guide me in these things, then you just become more softer, more tender before the Lord. You become softer and more tender toward each other. So... Uh, Do you want to hit something on this? Or do you want to ask her something? Or or do you want to say something about this? Something sparking in your... I know better than to put you on the spot. (laughs) And I know better than to shut you off. So I'm lost. I don't even know what to do. How many men have ever been afraid? Like, right now, I don't want to be on the couch. (laughs) I just, I don't know. What do you want? I'll do whatever you want right now.
5: (laughs) Um, The only thing that it kind of sparked with me is... I think it's important that you put yourself in your spouse's shoes before you start with yourself. So, if you start with them and they're having some reaction or you're not happy about something, but you try to figure out, well, why would they act that way? Kind of assuming that they love you and why would they do that? A lot of times it dissipates the anger before it even gets started because you're usually, like if you just step, take a step back, you're, you can usually kind of figure out why they're acting the way they are. And it's not what you thought at the beginning. So that's just one of, one of the things that I think helps. And, and I do that a lot. And, pro- <laughs> and
1: probably early on, you and I rushed toward judgment. Like I Definitely. would tell you what you were thinking.
5: Right. Like, or, and I would always assume what you were thinking. Yeah. And we a lot of times didn't even get to the bottom of it because we stopped right there neither one of us cared to figure out what the other person was thinking. We just, then it was like, well, that's the way it is then. go off, you know, on your own. I'm right, you're wrong.
1: And someday everybody listens to me. You should, but you don't. So that's okay. And then we finally, uh, do you remember when we we finally figured this out, took this God thing, and we've said this before, this is Kevin and this is Marsha, that we could not successfully navigate Uh, the conflict and what we thought should change in the other person, even if it was spiritual things getting up to. And so we quit addressing the other person. Uh, We brought things to God first. And if if Kevin has an issue with Marsha, Kevin has to bring that before God in prayer. And I have to process this with God. And if when I'm done, whether it takes me a few days or a few weeks, if when I'm done, I need to bring it to her, then I will. But by then, I am so soft, so tender, and God's already revealed enough things that not, are not right about me. And the same thing for her. So, so the rule is, we don't even bring, the, and here's what we figure out. The closer we get to God, I, I know this looks just kind of simple and silly. The closer we get to God, the closer we get together. There was, there was, there's no way for you to fundamentally become more and more intimate with God. Each of you committed to that. And, and not get closer together as, as a couple. It's, it's not possible. And so if there is a tenderness in you that says, you know what, honestly, Marsha, I love you. Uh, I don't understand you, but I do love you. And I would love for us to have a great marriage. I, ha- I don't know how to get that, but God does. So um, I trust that you love me. You know that I love you. Let's, let's go pray about those things. And when we come together, I want you to tell me, like if I'm not doing a good job loving you, don't give me 10 things, just give me one. Like if you can only pick one, like over the next 10 years, just give me one a year. That's about all as a guy I can do. It's okay, just give me one a year and, and give me a whole year. I don't need five, you know, years like our friend back here, but it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take me a while, so to speak, if I agree with you. Uh, but if it's a godly thing, I mean, I'm standing in front of people and I'm preaching and, and like I got a temper at home that is ungodly. Okay, I know that's not going to work, and she's not going to tolerate it. And if the problem is temper, and then she brings it up, and I lose my temper, you do get the point, right? You see how that just gets worse and worse, but I'm going to have to humble myself. And so if I'm going to humble myself before the Lord and humble myself before my wife, um, you know what? I find myself motivated to get over that, because I don't want to live that way, so Come on, Gerald.
3: Oh, boy, get ready. Apparently, he's breathing heavy
0: <laughs> already. Is this a proposal or a confession? I <laughs> you have TV in your basement? <laughs> um, yes, I do. Let's talk about it. I might end up there. Um, I think what I would say is learn to listen. We have 20 years coming up next year. And I'm a, I'm a problem solver, and sometimes Ricky would say things, and I'm like, oh, babe, land a plane, land a plane, land a plane. So learning to listen, learn the love language. So the things that she likes, like, furniture shopping. I hate, I hate, I just want to go home. Is that in the book? <laughs> it's in the book. I just want to watch football. So, I mean, I would tell the, the younger people that haven't been married long, is learn to listen, learn to love, because when the kids come, things change. Mm-hmm. And that time that you want, you may not have anymore, so you, the date night is very important as well. So it may be a cup of coffee at Starbucks, just get
1: away from the kids, listen, learn to love, language, and love. And don't you find, Gerald, that if you will spend time like that, that that time is part of filling the bank account. Absolutely, it keeps the relationship emotionally bonded, and an, an emotionally bonded relationship can get through conflict easier yes. than without.
0: You got to fight for it. I yeah. mean,
1: at least we do. Yeah, we
0: do. Got to fight yeah. for it. Right.
1: His Uh-oh. wife,
3: the
0: rebuttal. <laughs> Just give him props. Uh-oh. Come on, give him some. Oh, I know. I I love this man. He's such a good oh. husband. But I just want to say um, re-engage. We participated in reengage with the church, and I loved every moment of it. And it just took off layers of things that you just maybe didn't realize existed in your marriage, but it helped us grow. It helped me learn um, to forgive and um, just to love each other to another level. So I recommend reengage. I think it's a great opportunity to really learn about your marriage and to grow your marriage. So yeah. I thank you all for having that for us.
1: Yeah, that is a powerful thing. In fact, in January, we will do a series, How to Build a Great Family, and that's going to be the January series 2018. And just knowing that uh, if we will have the conversation around the most challenging but important areas of life, if we'll just do a series, like in the month of January, which we will, around how do you build a great family just like showing up for Reengage, or or coming to a series, how to build a great family, inviting the community in, how to build a great, just having the conversation for four weekends will stir dialogue and challenge and invite people into breakthroughs that otherwise will not happen. If you didn't go to Reengage, you wouldn't be talking about that stuff. But there you are. So yeah.
4: Um, for me, like I think the thing I'm hearing over and over is that I am that friend. Um, I am the prodigal daughter. I am the friend that people had to have hard conversations with. Um, And in that brought conviction for me and like my defense, my backup mode is defense. Um, But in the quiet times in my pillow talk with myself, it's like, you know, they're right. And that just takes time. Um, And the the prodigal daughter piece is the like, not engaging in my activities and not condoning my activities but like like I actually had a family member tell me like I can't participate in this behavior anymore but when you decide you're done participating in it I'll be here and so for that I had to have friends tell me like I can't do this with you anymore and you go as long as you need to go but I can't do this anymore but when you're done and when you're ready and when when you see that God has so much more for you, I'm ready to walk through that with you. Mm. Um, and that was huge for me. It's like, I didn't, it changed from judgment. I, the feeling changed from judgment to conviction. And I could feel that, like, God really does have so much more for me. And when I'm ready for that, there are people mm. ready for me. So that was big for me.
1: That's a great story. That's a great story. Did you, did you feel judged by other people when: at, f-
4: at first, yes, but I think that was more a heart thing for me than it was their communication. I think it was more, I know that what I'm doing is wrong, and so I'm just going to be you're judging me. Stop judging me instead of like looking at like, okay, what you're doing is wrong." Hmm. And so like the the judgment that I was feeling wasn't judgment, it was conviction and having to wrestle with that quietly by my, not necessarily by myself, but between me and God and me and people that I felt like were had my best interests at heart, instead of people that I thought maybe were just trying to change me.
1: Yeah,
7: that's a good word. That's a good word, right behind you. Yes, sir. Um, so for me, I actually am that friend that will no holds barred bar say, hey, I'm not going to this. I, and the the bad thing is when I, you know, before I was saved, like, I was the ringleader of those kind of things. So, you were setting it up. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, was I was. I was <laughs> life of the party. So when I made that change, some people would want to say, like, man, that's phony. That's not real. That's temporary. Fred will come back. He'll be whatever. He'll come back to the party or he'll come back out with us. And I think when you take that stance, um, for anybody that, that is taking that stance in here, I think the encouragement I can give is that. Uh, lo and behold, trust and believe, you know, that, that group chat, when you send you're not going, one of those guys in that group chat will text you right back and be like, man, I, I'm seeing something different, Fred, or uh, I noticed, man, like, what's different? It, it can't just be, you know, your wife. It can't just be that, you know, you have a family now. So, it's tough because you feel that rejection, too. Sometimes, you know, it's Saturday night, and I'm like, man, I'm... No text, no nothing. Uh, no one wants to hang out with me. Cool. Yeah. So I just want to, can I say no? Uh, I, don't, I can't say no anymore. But um, uh, I don't know, Fred. Let's keep talking. Yeah, yeah It's right. <laughs> just starting to get good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for for me, that I would just encourage anybody, uh, stand firm in that because you are witnessing to somebody. And right now, I'm only 28 years old, and a lot of my peers aren't married, don't have kids. And I think they're slowly they'll see you know five years from now when they have a kid and they get married they'll realize man fred just was on to he he figured it out way earlier than us and uh that's the best way i can get it in for i have friends you know similar in that situation where i will tell them straight up "I, i i will delete your phone number and never speak to you again if you don't get your act together and lo and behold some of those friends they've been as far as been to prison, been in, in very serious situations, they will still call my phone and don't feel judged. They feel loved. They feel loved that someone is holding them accountable, but still being there for them, even through their like, being lost, I guess, so to speak. So, I mean, that, that's the, the most I'll say to that. And I, I, I'm proud to be that friend every day, the party pooper now. I used to be the life of the party. I'll be the party pooper. Is it just
1: me or do y'all just want to go? Yeah, man. Good word. And- you know, you you can't hide it when you're really judging someone, and you can't hide it when you really love someone. Yeah. You really can't. It's what's in you. You you can't you can't hide it. And and they can misread stuff, but not not in the long run, because that's just it's just too real in you. The challenge to, to all of twelve stone. Because if you're a follower of Christ, then then the challenge is be more like Jesus. Uh, that that is it. That require that of yourself. Don't excuse what Jesus isn't excusing. It it costs you huge. And it doesn't matter if other Christians excuse it. Don't excuse it in your life. You're losing. There's no way you miss the invitation of God to live a righteous, holy, fulfilled life. And you drop below the bar and you win. You you lose. And simultaneously, less expectation for the world to be like Jesus. You, you step back I don't expect the world to be like Jesus they're spiritually lost and so I'm not going to carry this condemning harsh uh, grievous spirit toward them do I have some sorrow sometimes even maybe a little bit of holy anger when I see what goes on in our culture how lost we are and the losses that come to uh, kids and families and our culture, hugely. Uh, I think if we carried the heart of God, we'd probably weep more uh, over what goes on in our culture. And I think we'd probably do a better job figuring out how to talk to people about the love of Jesus. And we would work harder to get the love of Jesus into the hearts of people, whatever that means, uh, at all costs. So uh, that's what I would say. And you know I don't know how to, how to leave a final thought with you. The campus pastors will come up and, and they wanna lead you in a prayer and uh, pray over you. But, but I think maybe if we just ask ourselves, is there one particular area where you are living below the bar and the Spirit of God is saying to you, uh, it's time to, to aim higher. It's, it's time to, to chase the thing that God created you for and get righteous and holy like he is and he'll help you. Uh, and so with that, uh, let's have the campus pastors pray over us.
2: So throughout this series, we've gotten emails and phone calls and had conversations with dozens and dozens of 12 stones where God has brought clarity and conviction to places that are living beneath the bar, which is exciting for us to hear. That's what we're praying and asking God for. It's life transformation. And so as we close this series... I'd love the opportunity to be able to pray over this room. So if you would, let's bow our heads together. And as I pray, maybe there's some things that God has uh, made clear or brought conviction to in your life through this series. And maybe you seem to whisper under your breath, God, yes, I, I lay that at your feet. I'm, I'm done living beneath the bar. So Father, thank you for Jesus. We could say that a thousand times and it's not enough. Thank you for Jesus. Apart from him, the bar is not reachable by any of us. We can't be righteous on our own, but through Jesus, you can transform us, you can grow us up, and, and, and you can, through the blood that Jesus poured out, God, you can see us as redeemed and your kids again. So thank you for the second chances you give us through Jesus. God, for many of us, this series has been something of a, of a spotlight on our soul. And there's places that we're living beneath the bar, beneath the life that, God, you, you would invite us to and so, God, for those of us who that is true, would you give us your strength and your tenacity to hold the lines that you've asked us to hold through this series? Places where there's addictions or private sins that are eating us alive, places where we're selfish in relationships, places, God, where we would live one way in church and one way somewhere else. And God, you would say, That's that's less than the life I want you to have. God, would you give us your strength to, to, to hold the bar? And may God, as you progressively make us more like you, may we not look back at those behind us and judge. May we not be a a church that points fingers, but we be a church that points to Jesus. And may our lives be a testimony of the transforming love of Jesus Christ. God, we're so grateful for who you are and what you've done. In your heavenly name, amen and amen.